0: What a week, huh? <laughs> Woo! What a week. Um, yeah, exactly, Izzy. And I think moments where um, a week like we've had, where there's uncertainty and there's, you know, uns- uns- unstableness, <laughs> it's when we hang on to God, hang, hang on to what we know, um, and we know is true. And I'm hoping this morning you get a fresh sense of the character of God <laughs> This morning, um, and I'm loving the fact that we're doing something together as a church. We're embarking on the 40 days of prayer together, and that's happening on a Sunday. Um, that's happening at life group, and it's a daily thing at home that we're doing. Um, we're reading together, we're asking and answering some. Um, and for us, for me and Rhiannon, it's becoming a routine now. And I know we're definitely getting something out of it each day. And it might just be the, the repetition side of it. We're definitely getting something out of it. Um, but who's missed a day or two and then had to catch up later? I know, oh, yeah, <laughs> come on, we've all, we've all been there. Been there. Um, and it's a privilege to preach the, the third talk of the 40 Days of Prayer preaching series titled, Who Do You Think You're Talking To? I'm in the way of that. Who do you think you're talking to? Um, last week, my, my buddy Ben Robinson spoke, and I haven't actually heard it. I'm a bit annoyed because it's not on the website yet, but I'm looking forward to hear it. Um, but I'm here to build on the back of Of his talk, I imagine. I I guess it was good. I know it was good. (laughs) So, now, church, let me tell you something. I I don't want to blow my own trumpet here, but I think that I'm quite good at talking to people, okay? I think I'm quite good at talking to people. I do. But I know that my voice and my style of conversation changes depending on how I know that person and who I'm talking to. And I'm sure you're the same. I'm sure you're the same. For instance, I know that if I don't know that person very well, this like posh politician version of Sandeep comes out. <laughs> hello, Sandeep here. And I'm saying all these long words, I'm being very articulate, I put my work mode on. But you know, if so that's if I don't know that person very well. But if I know this person a little bit, and maybe they're from an Asian heritage, then my head wobbles slightly a bit more than it usually does, and Sandeep is here, hello. <laughs> Hello, Sandeep is here. But if I know that person really well, then my man Deeps is here, boy. What are you saying? My man Deeps is here. So that's how it is. <laughs> exactly. So you know, I'm sure you're the same in some regard. You know, the more the you act more formal around people you don't know very well. You, ma- you act more formal around people you don't know very well. Um, So relationship determines how you talk and how you communicate to someone. Relationship determines how you communicate with someone. Um, Now, church, how we view God, how we understand and how we know God, shapes how we talk to Him. Has everyone got an outline? Yeah? Everyone's got one? Now, it says in the top of your outline, your understanding of what God is really shapes everything in your life. Your understanding of what God is shapes everything in your life, including how you, how you pray. Now, what I want you to do is just briefly close your eyes for me. Um, and what comes into your mind when you think of God? What is your view of God? Okay, now open your eyes. Your view of God could be you know, a grouch, someone who's... Seems annoyed with God. Could be a, oh yeah, I've done some gifts as well, little little bit of for gifts. Forgot about that. You can move on from that now. <laughs> someone who see, yeah, it could be a grouch, someone who you know s- seems annoyed of you. It could be a strict parent, someone who that's it, James. Someone who restricts you. Or it could be like a you know a flaky, a flaky dad, someone who's not really there for you. Now, we've all got our sort of view of God, and that can sort of shape with circumstances and what we're going through, but you know, it's how you see God, is how you feel. And how you see God, how you view God, you're going to feel and respond accordingly to that feeling and how you see him. And it's going to influence how you speak to God. You know, we want to know what God is really like, because if we get a true real understanding of who God is, then our prayer life will change. How you speak to God will change. How you hear from God will change. So what is God really like? Well, he's all-knowing. He's powerful. He's everywhere. He's holy. He's just. And he's kind. There's lots of attributes about God that that we know. But one I want to focus on today as the foundation and then the springboard for the rest of this talk is the fact that God is good. God is good. Okay, Psalm 100 verse 5. The Lord is always good. He is always loving and kind. And his faithfulness goes on and on. To each succeeding generation. You know, we can look at this difficult, strange time and this unprecedented week and think, how is God good? How is He good? And that is something that individually and collectively as a church, we need to wrestle with day to day. We can be saying, well, Lord, I'm seeing this happen. How are you good? Lord, I'm going through this situation. How are you good? You know, from, you know, speaking from experience here and, and going through some trials and difficult times in my life, um, some still ongoing, you know, I can look back and see, oh, Lord, you were good in that situation. Oh, you protected me during that season, Lord. You know, some things that I'm going through, I haven't seen the good come out of it yet, I'll be honest with you. But historically, historically, God's shown his goodness to me and faithfulness to me and I can trust In God's goodness. And I hope by the end of this 40 days of prayer season that we're in, we can get to know God better and realize how he is good to us. So the fact is, we can get to know God. And because we can get to know God, we can see his character, that he is good. And because he is good, there are truths out there, truths out there we can hold on to. And I'm going to speak about five of them today, five of them. Truths that we can hold on to that affect our lives and our prayer life. And these are, I'm going to list them out. You don't have to write them down. I know some of you are really keen and on it. Wait a second. Hold on. (laughs) These are, number one, God's plan for my life will always be good. Number two, God always gives me what I need, not what I deserve. Number three, God puts my good Above his own good. Oof. Number four. This is the hard one. He does not say yes to every request. And number five. He invites us to live with him forever. Five truths there that we're going to talk about that affect your daily life and your prayer life. Okay. Firstly, and now get your pens ready. Fill this out. Ready to go. Number one, we know that God's plan for my life will always be good. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I know what I've planned for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. My plans will give you hope and a good future. And when you call to me and pray to me, I will listen. To you. God has, church, good plans for you. He has good plans for us. Now, we all have a purpose and a plan, and I guess we only see a snippet of it, a little grid in the map of our life. And God has put a lot of thought in making us and making a plan and setting a course for our life. And I guess we, you know, as humans, we want to know what that plan is for our life. We do. How it all comes together a bit more. That would make things easier. <laughs> and through praying, through speaking, through listening to God, the more you're going to understand God's plan in your life. Jeremiah says, when you call to me and pray to me, I will listen to you. That's a powerful thing that God allows us to to speak to Him, and He will listen to us. And we can think right now that not everything in our life is good at the moment, and God doesn't promise that everything in life will be perfection. He doesn't. This isn't heaven. And it may seem that the plan that we're going through and that we're seeing is, is, is not good. You know, we live in a world that is broken with sickness, with suffering, with sorrow. But God says, in the middle of this brokenness, I have a good plan for your life. Even if you, even if you make rubbish choices, God is greater than those choices. He is greater than those silly decisions because God's, God's made them into a good plan. It might be that you're suffering due to other people's decisions. It might be that you're hurting against other people's decisions against you. And you can't see how that fits into God's plan. Well, we look at the Bible and see the story of Joseph. Firstly, what a cracking musical Joseph is. That's what really recently resonated with me. I think Joseph is a great musical. Now, just to add that in. But imagine if you're Joseph and your brothers hate you and they want to kill you, but instead they beat you and they sell you to Egypt. <laughs> then you are working in Egypt, and then you get falsely accused of sleeping with the boss's wife, oh my goodness, and then sent to prison. You know, for 30 years, 30 long years, Joseph was thinking, what is going on here? No, I've not done anything to deserve this. You know, I've not done anything, I've not said anything to deserve this hardship, but, you know, as we know in the Bible and also in the musical, we know that Joseph becomes (laughs) Pharaoh's second in command. And states to his brothers, who he sees later, your plan was to hurt me. But God, to save the lives of many people, God turned that evil plan, that evil hurt that was against Joseph, into something good. It's not all good in your life. It's not. But God uses it for good. And fits it into the plan, the wider plan, even the sins of other people. Even if you've been hurt by others. Now, going back to the story of Joseph, during those trials and suffering, Joseph learned a lot. He learned a lot. He learned his calling, what it was. He learned patience. He learned how to be diligent. And it's the same with us. We can learn things during difficult times. It's hard to learn during good times. It's hard to learn during success. So whether this means that you're going through difficult times because God is shaping and moulding your character, then overall it's a good plan. That's tough to hear. Overall, it's a good plan. And when we spend more time with God, he reveals that to us more. Believe that. We can say, Lord, I trust that you're good. And I know this situation that I'm in is for my good. And when you realize that, your life changes. How you speak to God changes. And you can have an attitude of a thankful heart—a heart that says, "Lord, I don't understand why this situation is happening to me, but I trust that it's, that it's for my good." And it's not like an—it's not like a resignation attitude. It's not like, "Oh, you know, oh well, eventually it's going to turn out to my good." It's not like that attitude. It's a powerful because I know God is looking out for me. Attitude that I trust this is for my good. So, Lord, help us understand that. Help us understand that. Help us to grow in whatever you want me and I want us to grow. Spirit, be with us to see that. And help us to increase belief in knowing that everything God does in our life will always be good. Okay. Second thing, second truth we're going to talk about. is because we know God is good, Because we know God God is good, that's the foundation. We can trust that God will always give me what I need, not what I deserve. What I need, not what I deserve. If God gave us what we deserve, we would not be here. We would not be here. Our wrongdoing and our sin does not logically warrant God wanting to speak to us. It doesn't, it just doesn't. It doesn't logically warrant that. It doesn't make sense. But because Jesus Christ... Paid for all our sins and all our wrongdoing, we can read in Psalm 103, verse 10, which states, He has not treated us as we deserve for our sins, or paid us back for our wrongs. In his goodness, he has taken away our sins. Taken our sins away, and removed them as far as the east is from the west. How amazing is that? Takes our sins moves him as far as possible. Again, we can, we can look at examples in the Bible and see Moses, who killed an Egyptian taskmaster and fled to Egypt to begin a new life. And instead of God damning him for, murder, for being a murderer forever, he leads, he leads the Israelites out of Egypt. Peter denied Jesus three times, as we know, but God forgave him, and asked him to build his church from him. King David, this guy, man, this guy, King David, had an affair and killed the woman's husband. And David, but David knows that God is good and he asks for mercy. And guess what? God gives it to him. God gives it to him. He gives us what we need, not what we deserve. And what we need is forgiveness. What we need is forgiveness. Again, I want you to understand this. What we don't need is favor. We don't need favor. We don't need an easy life. We may feel like we deserve an easy life without any problems or, or issues, but we don't need favor. We need forgiveness. And God forgave us. God forgave us. And the amazing thing is, God didn't just forgive us, He welcomes us back. He welcomes us with open arms. You know, one of, one of my biggest fears growing up was the fear of rejection. And, you know, I had a very loving family who made me feel very loved and accepted. But still, when I was at school, I felt in, in certain groups, um, some classes, you know, they made me feel rejected. I think that's probably where I developed my sort of sense of humour from, to be honest, but that's a different story. <laughs> but I felt in some cases, I couldn't talk to people. But then I found friends who accepted me um, in, my, in my youth group, you know, who I could just be myself around. Um, then I found people later at school and later at uni who I could talk to a lot of things about. And then a wife, who I can completely be myself around and confidently speak to her, maybe a bit too much, and, <laughs> and she completely accepts me. You know, there are people in your life who you can confidently speak to, and totally accept you for who, for who you are. God's the same. God's the same. God says in the Bible, I will never forsake you. He completely accepts you, so you can confidently go and speak to Him. And we don't have to think, oh, shall we pray about this? Should I pray about that? It doesn't, does it matter? Does it warrant God's involvement? Well, no. God's saying, confidently go to my throne and ask me. Confidently go to my throne and ask me. We can pray about anything we want to, and God will hear it. Hebrews 4:15. Come boldly with confidence to the throne. Okay. The third truth that we can take hold of, because God is good. God puts my good above his own good. Similar to the last point, God forgave us. No, how did he forgive us? Well, he died for us so that we may live. Now, Rick Warren, it's a bit annoying. Sorry, sorry, this is a side thing. Rick, we're going for a guy called Rick Warren and I can't say my R's very well. So the whole time I'm practicing, I'm saying Rick Warren. It's really frustrating me. So I feel like I'm saying that again. Okay, Rick Warren, there you go, made a great analogy in this point, which annoyingly I just couldn't better. I couldn't better his analogy. So in fairy tales, you know, like King Arthur or, or things like that. Um, you know, the army, the peasants, uh, the public are out there fighting and dying to the king. The people place their lives, you know, to protect the king. You can see where this is going. <laughs> but in, in this scenario, the king dies for his people. The king dies for his people. John 10 14 to 15 I am the good shepherd I know my own sheep and they know me and I will sacrifice my life for my sheep Not only has he died for us he's given us his goodness so that in the sight of God God sees goodness in us in Romans 4:25 Jesus died for our sins and rose again to make us right with God, filling us with God's goodness. Wow. So if we were to die today, and then we asked God about a sin we'd done, God would say, what sin? don't know what you're talking about. He would only see Christ's goodness in you, in us. And this truth, this truth makes prayer possible. It makes prayer possible. Because he died for us, we can speak to him, we can hear from him, and he loves you enough to answer our prayer. Now, If today you'd heard that truth for the first time, that God loves you, and he sent his son to die for you, so that you can, you can have life, God wants to know you. So come, if you heard that for the first time, come chat to me afterwards. Chat to the person you came here with, because if you, can make, if you make that decision to know God, That would be the best decision you ever make. Because his plan for you will be better than your plan for you. So, because God is good, and he's always good, we know that he has a good plan for our life. He gives us what we need, not what we deserve, and he puts our good above his own good. The fourth truth is that he does not answer yes to every request. He does not answer yes to every request. There is nothing in the Bible that says that everything you were asked for, you're going to get. God is not Amazon. He's not Amazon. God does not say, here you go, and it's on next day delivery prime as well. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't say that. God is not a vending machine that will give you stuff that's not good for you. He does not say yes to every request. But, he does answer every request. He doesn't say yes, but he does answer every request. You know, there's a couple of... I'm just going to run through these, these answers that God might give. God may say no to us. God may say no. You know, when the request is not right, God says no. That's hard to hear. And God doesn't really owe an explanation for his reasons saying no. He doesn't owe one to us. <laughs> It's like my parents saying no to something when I was a child. Can I have more chocolate? Can I have more fizzy drinks? Fanta Fruit Twist is my weakness, let me tell you. It is. You know, but ultimately, if my parents said no, I would grumble, but they didn't, need a, they didn't owe an explanation to me. They knew what was right for me. They didn't owe me an explanation. <laughs> we may say, God, you didn't answer me. Well, God might say, yes, I did. I just said no. We may ask something of god but god might say oh slow slow it's not a no it's a not yet that's a big difference compared to no and sometimes that's harder that's harder than no god also might say grow sometimes god says yeah i'll give this to you but you're not ready to handle this right now you know it's like a height restriction on a roller coaster Restriction on a roller coaster. You can enjoy this soon, but just want you to go a bit more first. <laughs> now you'll experience this, and the time is right for you. It might be a yes, might be a yes, might be a go. Come on, yes. Regardless, there is an answer. Regardless, there is an, ex- is an answer, but in reality. It's hard to work out. I guess the best way to work that out, if God's request is no, slow, grow, or go, is to do what? Spend more time with him. Spend more time with him. Spend more time listening, working out how he speaks to you, reading the Bible, understanding what he's saying to you. But something that we can do practically as a church and practically in our life groups is to get others to pray with you. And pray for one another. Now, if you've got something that you're seeking prayer for and you don't know what God's answer is, not sure which one of these it is, then see someone you trust afterwards today. See someone you trust afterwards today. And they will pray with you. And they'll pray that God gives an answer, whatever it is, and you'll hear from him. Because he promises us that. He promises us that. Because God sees the overall plan, the overall picture of our life. And because he is good, ultimately we have to have the faith and the belief that whether it's no, not yet, grow first, or yes, it's for our good because God is good. Okay, nearly there. The fifth truth. Because God is good, he invites us to live with him forever. He invites us to live with him forever. God is going to show his goodness to us, not just today, not just in this lifetime, but for eternity. Psalm 23, verse 6, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And if we realize that God is not only good to me in this life, but for an everlasting eternity, we can have that mindset that, Pain is temporary, that suffering is temporary, that's hard. But God wants us and invites us to live with him and see his mindset forever. Mm-hmm. That changes how we pray, that changes everything because it gives us an everlasting encouragement. Mm-hmm. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16-17, to 17, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It makes us realize also that our time on earth is, is limited. And we want God to use us in this limited time that we have. And the more that we see, the more we trust, the more we rely on God's goodness, the more God can use us. Okay, so these are five truths that we talked on today, but because God is good, we can trust in those five truths that we've said, and we can hold on to them for our daily lives and for our prayer lives because we know God and we know that he's good. And I pray and I hope and I want you to grab onto it <laughs> that at least one of these five truths have impacted you today. Either maybe you've realized them for the first time or you've had a refreshing so that you can grow in prayer, you can grow in how you speak to God. But let's be honest. I've touched on this already, but I want to get this really clear. It can be easy to trust in God's goodness when things are going well. You know, with, when everything is good, we sing a bit louder. and you know, I'll play the drums a bit more ferociously when things are going good, you know what I mean? But the test is, the test is when things aren't going very well when things aren't working, when you don't know what's going to happen. We don't don't know what's going to happen. Or we know what's going to happen and it's not going to be good. That's when it's difficult for us to trust and say, Lord, you're good. The test is, do you still in those moments, do you still in those scenarios say, Lord, you are good. I trust in your goodness. The test of our faith, of our belief, is how you trust in God when everything is rubbish. Rick Warren, when he's delivering this preach that I'm talking on, shares in some major things that happened to his life, and I'm not sure if we're gonna touch upon this later, that's why I thought I'd share them. You now the government sued him, his wife was diagnosed with cancer, and his son died from suicide. His son died from suicide. You now when you've walked through those moments, and you're still saying, Lord, You're good. You're a good, good father. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. That doesn't make sense. That's not logically, that doesn't make sense. But that's where I want to be. I'm saying that in front of you. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. I want to have that faith and that trust. When things are going rubbish, I say, Lord, you're good. And I've had times in my life where I feel like things are on top of me, things are attacking me from every side. I want to to say, Lord, in those moments, you're good. And we want to be a church who's like that. We want to be a beacon, a shining light in this community with people around you. When everything is rubbish, you're saying, Lord, I know you and I trust that you're good. And it's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of maturity to say, despite what's going on, despite even how I feel, I hang on to the truth that you're good. We want to be like Job. We want to have the trust and faith where you've lost everything, your family, your business, your health. And Job says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. (laughs) May the name of the Lord be praised. We're going to sing a song later that talks about that. And you are going through things right now, church, individually, where you need Job-like faith. And despite sometimes what you may feel and what you see, despite the pain that you're going through, the Lord is saying, today praise me and say that I'm good because I am God and I am good. Why? Because he's forgiven us. Because he's died for us. Because we can get to know him. We can speak to him. He wants a relationship with us. And the more you speak to him, the more you listen to him, the more you get to know him, the more he reveals his character to you and the more you see that he's good. And the more you see that he's good, the more we get to know God's goodness, when we're convinced that God is good, when we're convinced within ourselves, no matter what, God is good, and that he's always good, and he's never going to let us down, then our prayers are going to be more powerful. Our prayers are going to be passionate. And that's what we want to be as a church. That's why we're doing this. Because we want to be a church that our prayers are powerful. Our prayers are passionate. Our prayers mean something. So as a church, let's fundamentally understand within ourselves that Lord, despite everything that we see, I trust that you're good. You know, for me, there's no coincidence. There's no coincidence that we're going through a series like this on prayer during one of the most uncertain and unstable periods that I've encountered in my life, really. You know, our workplaces are telling us to work from home. Our schools might be shutting. Things are uncertain. Things are unknown. But we trust in a God that will not let us down. We trust in a God who we can rely on. So let's leave here today knowing whatever we're going to face next, we don't know what's going to happen next. Whatever we're going to face next, whatever the enemy tries to throw at us, we trust in the Lord's goodness. Let's use this time of uncertainty as well, church, to deepen our prayer life, to speak to him more, to understand him more, to understand his character more. You know, I felt we were going to sing, Blessed Be Your Name. And, you know, that song is saying, In the good times, when the sun's shining down, we praise. In the dark place, in the desert place, we still praise. And as a church, as an army, as a group of people, we want to be a people that says, no matter what happens, I'm praising your name. So let's walk in that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.